Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I'll remind you this morning that we're continuing to sing Circle of Love as our opening song, so please turn in your order of service and or watch the words on the screen and join with us in singing. with me this morning as we read Psalm 51, verses 1 through 17. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy steadfast love. According to thy abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is even before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified in thy sentence and blameless in thy judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, 
Thou desirest truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Fill me with the joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put in me a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways and sinners will return to thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of thy deliverance. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou hast no delight in sacrifice where I am to give a burnt offering. Thou wouldst not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. I have just a few announcements this morning. Uh, tonight is our love banquet as we are here today uh, in our final Sunday of the celebration of 28 days of love. Hopefully you have re uh, reserved, you called the church office to come to dinner this evening. We would invite all of you to come and to be there for a wonderful time, a great meal, and also wonderful fellowship to discuss, to share testimonies about the past month, maybe some things that we have been able to do or maybe we've had done for us over the last month and 28 Days of Love. And so we invite you to come this evening in our LEC at 6 o'clock for our Love Banquet Dinner. Also, one week from today on March 5th, uh, Dr. Joe Webb will be beginning his uh, lessons on James, the brother of Jesus. And so we would invite you to those sessions that will be at 5 o'clock for five weeks uh, in the months of March and April. Those sessions will begin next week with Dr. Webb. And so we would invite you to keep that in mind and to come to those as those begin next Sunday. We are glad that you are here with us today. Uh, I would invite all of us, and our prayer for all of us this morning is that we would be able to open our minds and our hearts as we worship our Lord. February has been an exciting month. Before Sunday school, many of you may have um, gotten your blood pressure checked. I told those, and you guys come on up, from the parish nurse committee that uh, I said it may not be a good idea for the pastor to get his blood pressure checked on Sunday morning. Uh, but, I, but I did it anyway, and it was a little high. <laughs> um, but uh, again, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that we have a parish nurse committee that's active, and we have had, um, I think, a lot of energy this month around our Heart Health Month. And so Sherry, you come and, and share with us this morning. Good morning. I'm Sherry Stroud. I think there's a little typo with my last name in the bulletin. Sherry Stroud. Um, thank you again for participating in the blood pressure checks this month. It's always important to know your numbers. Your blood pressure is just one of your healthy numbers that you should know. So thank you for all those that got your blood pressure checked. Um, also, thank you for wearing red this month. It looks really nice to look out and see all this red. 
It looks great. I would like to take a minute just to introduce the parish nurse committee members. Um, standing up here with me is Ben McDaniel, our token male on the committee. <laughs> um, Cindy Campus, Cindy, if you'll stand up. Up oh, there she is, Cindy, if you'll stand up. Cindy has double duty. She's not only a nurse, but she's our deacon. So, Cindy, if you'll just stay standing. Julie Bryan, who's in the choir. Carolyn Gordon, I'm not sure if she's here today. Um, Barbara Walton, I know she's here. There's Barbara. Um, Katie Stitzel is working today, and Lizzie Torres had her wisdom teeth out, so she's not here today. Um, look around, you see that we all have a variety of nursing backgrounds. We'll be glad to address any of your health concerns, not only during the month of February, but any time. We're glad to check your blood pressure, or if you want to call the church office and get one of our phone numbers and call us, we'll be glad to, to talk to you about your health concerns. Okay, so now to the fun part, which is our drawing. For all of those of you that had your blood pressure checked in the month of February, um, we're going to do the ladies first. We changed it up a little bit this, this year. We didn't really do like a scarf or a tie. This year we did a gift certificate to Subway, which has mostly heart-healthy foods. So both men and women will receive um, a gift certificate. So we're going to let Candy do the honors of drawing our female. Julie Daves. She's not, she, oh, she's in the nursery today, okay. All right. And we will let the pastor, Carol Hamrick, and he's not here. He's usually on the front row. Well, we'll make sure Carol gets his, um, his certificate to Subway. Well, you know he'll love that. So watch your bulletins, the newsletter, um, we have a bulletin board now out by the church office. Watch that for um, more heart or more health activities throughout the year. We've got some exciting stuff coming up in uh, March and April that we're already planning. So watch for those from the Parish Nurse Committee. Thank you. Our first hymn is hymn number 217. I'll remind you that um, the GAs and RAs will be up front to take your um, Heck Jones offering, so come forward during the hymn and place it in one of their baskets. 217, Oh How I Love Jesus. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing.
You may be seated. When I read the scripture today, I talked about a big word. Sometimes we don't always think about it. Forgive. Forgiveness. And I know we don't go all day long being the perfect child or the perfect person. I'm sure we make somebody mad or hurt somebody's feelings. How do we feel when we do that? Sort of bad? Sorrowful, Sorrowful guilty. That's right. Well, I have a, a little experiment to show you here, and we're going to hope it works. It did earlier, so we're going to pretend it. we're going to get it. All right. We're going to sort of be like a dirty penny. Yucky. This one's actually sticky. So we want to wash that penny, which is sort of what forgiveness is. But you have to do something first to be forgiven. So if we put this penny in, James, you want to drop the penny in for me? All right, there's the water. Drop it in. What's it doing, James? Washing off. Is it washing off? Yeah. Is it coming clean? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. All right, we're going to leave that penny in there, okay? Okay. All right, now, our second experiment goes with how do we really get clean? How, does, how do we get ourselves clean if we've had a bad day and we need to be forgiven? Talk about it. Who do we talk to? We talk to Jesus. So this is going to be Jesus. We're going to pour it in our little cup here and we're going to swirl it around a little bit. Now, James, I need for you to take me a penny out of my bag. Now, we have asked God to forgive us because we've done something bad or we've been mean and we've hurt somebody's feelings and we feel yucky and dirty. All right, James, drop it down in here. All right, we're going to swirl that penny around and we're going to hope. What's it doing, James? Washing off. It's washing off, but what's happening? Is it shining? Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So we have asked God to forgive our sins. We have asked God to take care of us, and we have gone from a dirty penny. Look, James, look here. To a what? A shiny penny. So God has forgiven us. He has made us clean. Well, Miss Ellen can't get it out of the cup. All right, look at here. We clean that penny off and it's shiny. It's clean. So we ask God to forgive us. We ask God to take away the hurtful things we said. And he cleaned us. He cleaned our heart. He made us whole. And he made us feel happy, shiny, and not dirty. So I have a penny for you to put somewhere in your pocket, in your book bag. You want to watch again, James? Yeah. Okay, there you go. All right, I'm going to give you a penny, and it's shining already. So when you forget to say, Dear God, please help me. Please forgive me. Take away my sins. Take away my hurt. Then remember, you have a shiny penny in your pocket. All right, did it work, James? We need to swirl it around. We're going to swirl this one around, and there you go. You don't put your new penny in. 
here. We'll, we'll get the new penny out. See, it's already shining. Okay, will that work? That'll work. Okay, let's put it right there. All right. I'm going to dry it up for you. All right, here you go. All right, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for our precious children. Thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the love that abounds in our heart when we say simple things like, Dear God, please forgive me for the things that I have done wrong today. Make me shiny, make me clean. You are always with me. Protect us, Lord, as we go through this week. Keep these children safe. Keep the smiles on their faces. It's in your son's name that we say amen. For those of you that didn't get a scripture tag as you came forward, they'll be at the doors as you exit. I'm not going to let them go down the aisle today. So they'll be at either door for you to pick one up. Thank you. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. I am pleased to again to be with you all today, and I'm happy to see all your beautiful, handsome faces this morning. I've come to you today on this mission moment to talk a little bit more about the racial reconciliation ministry that I am doing here at Bullseye Baptist Church and also with Green Bethel Baptist. Um, the emphasis, as you well know, of today is letting it go from a beautiful chapter in Corinthians that most of us know about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about love and what divine love truly is and how we as Christians should follow and mirror that type of love in our everyday lives. And one of the things that is part of letting it go through love is forgiveness. Forgiveness on both sides when it comes to reconciliation. Forgiveness of misunderstanding, forgiveness of not speaking when needs to be spoke, forgiveness of stereotyping, forgiveness of hatred, forgiveness of turning one's back against each other. And that's for both sides. And it's hard to forgive, and it's hard to let it go. But it's something that we as Christians are called to do, to let go of the past transgressions of the previous generations and to look forward to a better and brighter future and to come together as a family of brothers and sisters, not of color, but of faith and love and above all love, as Paul himself proclaims. For God is love and love overcomes all things and breaks down all things and unites all things. So as we continue on this emphasis of love throughout the rest of the year, throughout the rest of our lives, as we continue to look into ourselves to start letting go of things that keeps us from loving each other as brothers and sisters, I want to say that you are not alone, that we are all in this together as a family, as brothers and sisters who are, who are united, not by blood, but something stronger and more powerful than blood, and that's the love of Christ. Thank you all. God bless you. Amen. Cedric, you said a lot of the very important uh, and uh, difficult things there in probably three or four minutes, and thank you for that. Um, Cedric's doing a great job with us uh, as an intern this semester, uh, and uh, we look forward to the things that will continue to transpire as Cedric uh, partners with us and with Green Bethel Baptist in some 
issues related to racial reconciliation. And uh, we've learned that as we've started this conversation, the most important thing we need to do right now is just simply get to know each other uh, rather than enter into some uh, big something maybe that we had originally thought about. And so, Cedric, I appreciate you beginning that, re renewing that relationship uh, there and, and all you're doing with us. In light of that, let me just mention before I pray this morning that uh, this coming Wednesday will be the beginning of our season of Lent, this 40 days of preparation for Easter Sunday. And uh, we'll be having an Ash Wednesday service. We did this for the first time last year. It was a community service. We, did, we held it here at Boiling Springs Baptist. But this year we'll be at the Boiling Springs United Methodist Church. This is in partnership with Garden Web University, with, uh, of course, Bowling Springs Methodist, and also with Green Bethel. And that will be held at noon uh, at the Bowling Springs United Methodist Church. So you all are invited. Uh, we failed to put that in our uh, bulletin this morning, and we apologize for that. But come if you can. Uh, it'll, it'll be, you know, um, if you're on a lunch break, you, you'll be able to get back uh, very close to 1 o'clock. And so uh, come and, and be a part of that special time. Also, as we, before I pray, let's be in prayer for Nancy Marsh. This is Terry Wallace's mother. She is in Asheville, uh, transitioning from hospital to a, a rehab facility there. And let's also be in prayer for Clyde Bowen, who is at White Oak in Kings Mountain. You have other concerns this morning, and let's take those now to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for a beautiful, cool morning to gather in your house to worship. Lord, we pray that the things that would hinder us and distract us from hearing from you today, Lord, that we would acknowledge those and confess them at this time. <coughs> Father, as we talk about letting things go, as we talk about forgiveness, we acknowledge that it's not always easy. And Father, we ask this morning for strength to let go of the things that we've been holding on to for some time. Father, help us to begin the work. Sometimes forgiveness can happen immediately and sometimes it's a process. And so, Father, for those difficult things, we pray that today we would at least begin the process of letting go and of forgiving. Prepare our hearts and our minds as we hear from you in song, in prayer, in word, and in sermon. Bless our time around the table this morning, Father, and we are Remind, uh, reminded as we think about forgiveness, Lord, that that forgiveness is possible because of the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind, the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. We're thankful that the story didn't end there. But Lord, after three days, you rose from the, uh, rose from the grave, defeating death, victorious, that we can have purpose and meaning in this life and hope for the next. Father, we thank you for all you do for us now and all you will continue to do. Bless now this service and these who we've, whose names we've mentioned, others who are struggling physically, Lord, your hand be upon them this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Our hymn is found at number 567, Share His Love, hymn number 567. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing. together this morning. Lord, it is the beginning of a new week. With a new week and a new month and a new season of Lent that is upon us this week, many challenges, many excitements, many opportunities, and many difficulties may come our way. But Lord, 
among the many changes that can happen this week or this month, we hold on to one constant that is you. We are grateful for your love. We are grateful for your gifts that you have given to each of us. Father, I pray that at this time that we would be willing to give back, not only with our money, but with our time, with our efforts, with our talents, and above all, with our love for you and for others. God, you know the needs on our hearts this morning. I pray that we would lift them up to you, that we would turn them over to you, and that you would continue to love us, continue to watch over us and provide for us as you so often do. Lord, we are grateful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir and Candy and accompanist. I think if I could rearrange the order of service, Cedric, I would have put you and the choir's message together. Uh, what, a, what a very appropriate message. And um, since today's message is on forgiveness and letting it go, uh, I must do what I practice, what I preach, and, and ask Sherry Stroud to forgive me uh, for the misspelled name there in the bulletin today. So, um, 1 Corinthians 13.5, I'm grateful for Ellen and the kids uh, passing out scripture verses, memory verses each week, and we have one for you today, and so be sure to get that. Uh, many of you are doing different things to make that visible uh, in your home or car or other place. Maybe some are using as bookmarks that you can kind of pull out and look at, uh, but these verses have been important to us as we've traveled this 28 days of love journey, and today we have a very important verse as well. 1 Corinthians 13.5 reads like this. Love is not rude, and love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of when it has been wronged. you for uh, allowing me to share a little extended version of that song with you. Many of you know that song from the radio, and it's a wonderful, wonderful song to help set the stage for today's message. 
It's been a great four weeks in this 28 days of love. I hope, and I know many of you, because we've got well over 100 signed up to come this evening, uh, will be back this evening to share a time of testimony. I was with a group of fifth and sixth graders just this morning at the snack shop, the staple of Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Uh, we had breakfast there and we shared a, a package with them and a poster that the kids had made and just shared some love with them. We were also at the quick snack yesterday, not to, you know, sh- to be fair, uh, you know, quick snack or snack shop. So we were there yesterday at lunch and giving, doing the same thing and we're there uh, at the snack shop this morning. But many of you, I have been so pleased to see the way individuals have responded to this challenge. To be honest, going into this, I had no idea what to expect, uh, but it has been Uh, surprising and just joy-filled just to see the way the church has embraced this month and the different ways that you have responded to the invitation to show love to others. If you remember back four weeks ago, we started with a message called Love 101, and we dealt with some basics about the fact that God loves us, and he's called us uh, to show the same love that he's extended to us to others. Uh, that's a, a, a mighty, big, mighty big task, but we have been given that, that task. We've looked at secrets of a lasting love, We've talked about loving with our words last week, and today we look at one of the most difficult things to do when it comes to love is love lets it go. Our scripture verse this morning, 1 Corinthians 13, 5, if we can put that back up, let's say this together this morning. I believe this is out of the, um, yeah, the New Living Translation. Let's say this together. Love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And it keeps the record of when it has been wrong. We're going to look at this verse closely in just a few minutes here this morning. But I had some conflict over the sermon title as I put this together a few weeks ago. Uh, started to change it. It originally was Love Lets It Go, and it morphed back into Love Lets It Go. But um, as you can see, this verse deals with some difficult people. Wouldn't you agree? It deals with uh, some rude people, demanding people, angry and irritable people, and people who won't let things go. So I started to call it Loving Difficult People, uh, but, but I didn't do that. But God tests our love. Do you agree w- with that? By putting us around difficult people at times, putting us around unlovely people, Do you know any difficult people this morning? I didn't ask you to look at them. (laughs) But do you know any difficult people? This verse talks about four kinds of people. It talks about the rude person, the person that's hard to get along with. It's just a little cranky and they're just, for whatever reason, they got a chip on their shoulder and they're just kind of rude. Maybe they're just focused and and so, you know, maybe they don't don't get a lot of sleep and whatever it is, but they're just obnoxious and, and rude. The second type of person it talks about is the demanding person. This can be the aggressive person, a little more manipulative. It's kind of the Burger King person, you know, my way right away, or I, yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, a little self-centered, a little, little pushy, a little demanding. It also talks about the angry or the irritable person. We don't, they don't always mean to hurt you, but um, because of maybe some things that have happened to them, they're just, they're just a little angry. And then also the unforgiving person, or maybe the bitter person. And these are the most difficult of all. Sometimes can be hateful and mean, deceitful, dangerous. These are the people that at times can, can wound us, that take a little while to, to get over. They've been wounded. We've been wounded. I put myself sometimes in this category. You know, we've been wounded, and so we respond in ways that maybe sometimes hurt or wound other people. So how do we respond to these people? How can we possibly let things go? Let me just say I have a very brief time with you this morning to share about some very difficult topics. And so there's no way, I'll go ahead and state the obvious, that I can really get down in dealing with each of these in a way that, um, 
can, can settle all our, our differences and, and, and really dive into this. And so uh, if, if I touch on something this morning that hits something with you and you want to talk more about that, I would welcome that opportunity to do that. So how do we learn to love difficult people? The first thing that it says love is not, it says love is not rude. Rude people are everywhere. You agree today? Um, we have the benefit of living in a wonderful community of Boiling Springs, North Carolina, and so we don't deal with rudeness, I would say, as, as I did maybe living in Winston-Salem at times, or um, I think we're blessed. But at the same time, we still have rudeness among us or in our community at times. Um, you know, the, 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 the phone call comes in in the library or in a meeting, you know, and the person, they let it ring for a little while, and then they answer it, and then they keep talking, you know, uh, or it may be the, the person that, that is just, they, they see the line of people behind them coming up in the aisle at uh, the grocery store, but yet they remain there in the middle, especially if you're at Dollar General, that gets real difficult there. But uh, I want you to do something very quickly this morning, and this is a risk for a pastor, but I want you to look to someone near you and I want you to tell them one thing that, uh, that gets on your nerves, something, something that, um, a, rude, a rude action, if you will, that gets on your nerves. Try to think of one. Tell your neighbor. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's bring things back in here now. So I told you it was risky for a pastor to do that. It's very risky. I understand. Last week, we spoke about the power of words. We spoke about the power of words. And if you remember, I talked about speaking truth with love. And sometimes we have to do that to rude people, don't we? We have to speak the truth in love. Um, the, the thing is, we can be truthful and sometimes not always tactful in what we say. But the calling, I think, is for us to be tactful in the midst of our, our, our truthfulness. Excuse me. Telling someone the truth around others, first of all, is not tactful. Um, that's happened. We, we've probably all been guilty of that. We, we have good motives and we go to someone, we want to let them know something, but we tell them with other people around. That's, we, should, we should never do that. But telling someone the truth around others is not tactful. Another thing that can help us before we make rude comments or have a rude action is simply the power of a listening ear. A lot of times somebody's rude because, again, something is going on in their lives that's leading them to say or respond in a way that causes them to be portrayed as rude. And I think one of the most powerful things that you and I can do when we don't want to do it to the rude person, but is listen to their frustrations and listen to what is going on. I haven't always been good at that, and I don't, I don't need an amen, Renee. Um, but I haven't always been good at that. Um, and it's something that I've learned over tower, again, of the listening ear. When it, comes, when it comes to rudeness. Proverbs 18, 13 says, answering before listening, and I purposely put this verse in there. It's out of the message, Eugene message paraphrase version, 18, 13, it says, Proverbs, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Why didn't he just jump straight to the point there? Uh, Proverbs 16, 21, Solomon says, a wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Hard words simply turn most people off. Wouldn't you agree? They do me. I love the saying that I came across this week. It says, I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. The second part of our memory verse says love is not rude, but it also says love does not demand its own way. We've looked at the rude person and now Paul leads us and directs us to the demanding person. 
This is the one that there is a right way and a wrong way, and then there's their way, which is the right way. Amen. Or there is a right way and a wrong way, and then there's, again, like I said, their, their way. How do we respond to a demanding person? Philippians 2, 5 through 7, Paul gives us some good counsel. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. One who could demand some things did not demand his own way. One of the greatest tests of our character is how we treat those who serve us. And I think we've all been guilty of this. We have a waiter or a waitress or someone who is providing, doing some kind of service for us. And we think, you know, we're in here, we're a paying customer. And yet they're not, you know, they're not cutting it. They're not doing something that, and so we get a little, what? We start getting a little demanding. We start getting a little demanding here. The secrets of great service uh, is number one is respect people. All, all need to practice being understanding and not demanding. Understanding and not demanding. It may be that the waiter or the waitress or it may be that the person who is serving us in some way has had a really bad day and yet we have no idea what's going on. I think we've all been guilty of this. I know I have. I've, I've done it in a lot of different ways. Um, but the greatest place, I want to say the greatest place for us to practice respect and understanding is not always at the dinner table or out at the restaurant at the quick snack or the snack shop, but is in our own homes. Sometimes we're nicer to people uh, when we're out in public than we are to those in whom we live with in our own homes, and this should not be. Wisdom I heard recently helps us dealing with demanding people. It says, the more you understand a person, the more patient you are with a person. I'm impatient. Like I said, again, I'm impatient with people that I don't understand. But when I understand more of their background, their battles, I am more understanding. Proverbs 19:11, Solomon says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Love lets it go. Jesus had some powerful words in Luke 6:31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I used to get this confused when I was, uh, my dad set me straight on this. I, I said something, I was trying to quote, quote this verse that I thought I heard at church and I said, what doesn't the Bible says do to others as they do to you? And I was very young at the time and we were out doing something in the yard and dad said, son, he said, it says do to others as you would have them do to you. And that was just like a light bulb for me, you know. Um, but I need to be understanding with people because tomorrow I may need you to be understanding with me. Amen. I need to forgive others because tomorrow I may need you to forgive me. The Pharisees had demands, but Jesus didn't let them push him around and he wasn't rude with them either. Going back to our scripture verse once again, it says, love is not rude. Love does not demand its own way. It also says love is not irritable. Some translations may say is not easily angered, is not easily provoked. We can be irritable at times. Would you agree with that? Can I get an amen, church? Um, with me, it's when I'm really tired or I'm really hungry. And Renee's learned that. Um, I, can be, I can be irritable, hopefully not angry, but maybe. Is there, is there a difference there? I don't know. Um, but how do I respond to angry or irritable people? How do we let it go when someone is being irritable, when someone is saying things out of anger to us that, that's hurtful? 
It's not necessarily a bad thing, right, to be angry. We know Jesus was angry. We talked about this briefly last week, or maybe I think it was on a Wednesday night. We talked about the fact, we looked at several examples of how Jesus was angry. And he was angry for a very good reason. But how do we respond to um, an irritated person, again, or an angry person? These are just, uh, again, a few suggestions. Again, we're we're touching the surface of some really important, important topics this morning. But we respond with gentleness and we respond with patience. And at times, maybe even absence from the person. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Some of you know all too well of what it's like to relate to an angry person. Again, this is serious stuff. It is a shameful secret in millions of Americans' homes where each year millions of wives are beaten by husbands who can't control their anger. We also have millions of children each year who are beaten because of parents who didn't learn how to control their anger. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty nine, whoever brings ruin on their family or it could be trouble in his own home, inherits only the wind. The Bible also says in Colossians 3.19, husbands must love your wives and never treat them harshly. If you want God to get angry, just sit back and pick on somebody. We have a lot of emphasis on bullying in our schools today, and I'm glad we do. It wasn't always there years ago. You say, Keith, well, I didn't learn good habits on how to control my anger when I was young. I lived with a dad or family members, mom maybe, but um, men typically struggle with anger more so than women. But it it can certainly, there's certainly no respecter of gender. But I didn't have a good example growing up. And so therefore I'm a product of of some things that, that I didn't learn well growing up. But how do we change these patterns? How do we develop new patterns to deal with our anger? Romans 15, 5. Paul tells us, and the key word here again is God, may God who gives this patience and encouragement, again, not a conference, not appeal, not a seminar, although all those things can be very helpful in managing anger, but it's nothing like what God can help us to do in managing our anger. May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Your relationship and closeness to Jesus Christ will determine the amount of patience that you have in your life. It will determine the amount of gentleness that you have in your life. It will determine the amount of understanding that you are willing to give to other people. If you are close to Jesus Christ, you're going to have more patience in your life. You're going to have more understanding. You're going to have a willingness to listen to the other person. Whatever is inside of us, unfortunately, comes out of us. I say unfortunately. If it's in the case of not being able to control our anger, it comes out of us at times. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. We always have a choice in how we speak to others. I love the, the quote that's attributed to Chuck Swindoll. Many of you have heard him on the radio, a preacher. He says that life is... Um, Uh, well, let me me make sure I get this right. Uh, Life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Again, this is a big area uh, when it comes to anger and would encourage you to to talk with people who have shown a good example, maybe somebody who's worked through issues related to anger. 
if this is something that you're struggling with this morning. The last person in our verse that Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, we've looked at love does not rude, love does not demand its own way, love is not irritable. But the last part of 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it says love keeps no record of when it has been wrong, wronged. How do we forgive others who continually hurt us, who are sometimes mean, sometimes hateful, sometimes manip manipulative? There's two tendencies that I just want to mention very quickly when difficult people hurt us. The one is to remember, I'm going to remember this. And at the right time, I'm going to bring it back up. I'm not forgetting this one. Maybe I've let some other things go, but there's two tendencies. We remember, and then the second tendency is we retaliate. We want to get even. And so we look for ways to do that. Maybe we do it with our anger or our rudeness or our demanding our own way. But we look for a path or we look for an opportunity to retaliate. Paul said in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do I handle destructive wounds, hurtful wounds in my life? If you and I don't deal with destructive things in our lives, if we're not careful, we will only repeat what destructive things have been done to us. When others have wounded you and then they realize it, uh, they start to say some good things, but because you were hurt so bad, it's like no matter what the good things they do or say, it's simply, or we simply can't let it go. Again, we remember and we're waiting for that time to retaliate, unfortunately, in many cases. One of the reasons that difficult people are difficult or unlovely, people are, excuse me, are unloving is that they haven't been around an environment where they have been truly loved. A lot of times difficult people and a lot of times our own difficulties and, and, and personality flaws, you know, um, sometimes maybe we haven't been shown good examples. And so we're only doing maybe what comes and what has come natural. The more you love an unlovely person over time, the more lovely they will become. It's hard and it may take time, but I have seen it happen. When you're hurt, you don't really talk to other people about it, which we typically do. Well, you know, we're hurt, we go, instead of talking to the person that we need to talk to, we go and we talk to somebody else. That, that should not be the case. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hate stirs up trouble, but love forgives all offenses. And the main verse that I wanna to get to is Mark eleven twenty five. Many of you have heard this, you know it, but it's, always, it's not always uh, the easiest thing to live out. It says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it go. Let it drop, leave it, let it go in order that your father who is in heaven may also forgive you and your failings and shortcomings and let them drop. And that's out of the Amplified Bible. I love that um, version of that, um, of, that, of that verse. As we begin this morning to think about and transition into a time of celebrating the Lord's Supper. Um, I think for the Christian, for you and I, it is our goal, uh, one of our, our number one goals is to become more like Christ. And we do that as we learn to forgive. 2 Corinthians 5.19, Paul writes, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and I love these next words, not counting their sins against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm glad that Jesus does not count my sins against me. And I'm hoping and praying that God would teach me how to do the same with others who have sinned against me, that I would not count their sins against them. 
For, forgiveness for us is not always forgetting, but forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness is letting go. And I want to say this as well. Sometimes, I think I've alluded to it earlier, sometimes forgiveness can happen instantly, but sometimes forgiveness is a process, especially if the wound is deep, if the mark is, is difficult. Whatever it was, it hurt, it hurt you bad. And tomorrow morning, you're not going to wake up and for, be forgiving of that person. But over time, again, forgiveness is a process. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take, in some cases, years. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I love this scripture passage. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off or let us let go of, if you will, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Communion is a symbol. It's a symbol of God's forgiveness for our sins. This passage out of Hebrews, it says, let us let go of, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us. And then the author challenges us in the next verse to fix our eyes on Jesus. I would propose to you this morning that the only way that we can begin to let go of those things that are hurtful for us is to turn our eyes upon Jesus. The only way that you and I can grow in our love relationship with God and seek to love our neighbor as ourself is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. As we prepare for communion, I'm going to ask the deacons to come down, but I'm going to ask them to come down as we do something together as a congregation. I would like for you to join me in singing, uh, if you don't know, I think it's on 320, the chorus of the hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And I'll ask the deacons to come down at this time. Let's sing together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I'll ask you guys just to be seated for just a moment. I want to read a passage out of Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. When I was young, math seemed a little fuzzy to me sometimes. I'm, my son, who's fifth grade math, it still seems a little fuzzy to me sometimes as well. But much like Peter, Peter suggests that he forgives someone seven times. We just heard it in the text. Um, God commanded um, Israel's enemies or Israel to forgive their enemies three times. So I think Peter thought, well, I'm going to double that and then add one to it. That's got to count for something. That's got to be, that's got to be good. However, no one is prepared for Jesus's math. Let me propose that to you this morning. Not just seven times, but Jesus said 70 times seven. So therefore we stop at 490, right? I don't think that was the message that Jesus had for those in that day or the message that he has for us this morning. He means we should quit counting. There's no limit when it comes to God's forgiveness. Some basic scriptures I want to share with you before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Romans 3.23 says we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us in this place this morning have fallen short and we have sinned. 
Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin is death. But if the story ended there, there would be no hope, but it doesn't. It says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Romans 5.8, I love this verse. It says, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want us to spend just a moment of silence while um, those uncover the table this morning. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And it may be that you need to just have a moment uh, before we partake of the Lord's Supper today as we've talked about forgiveness to simply pray and uh, clear your head. And maybe there is a confession that needs to take place this morning. Uh, Maybe there's just a word of praise you need to offer to the Lord. But let's just um, make sure that we are prepared as the scripture asks us before we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your grace and for your mercy, for your forgiveness that's extended to each one of us. Lord, in the congregation and a church this size, Lord, we could all tell stories. We could all share things, Lord, of how we've needed forgiveness, how we've struggled with forgiving others. Lord, there's been a lot of, a lot of hurt, a lot of things that have happened to individuals within the room. And Father, some of those in the room this morning may be in process because the hurt was deep and the pain was great. So Father, we come to you acknowledging your love for us. And Father, we also ask that you teach us and help us to love like you did. Father, you've forgiven us of many sins. And Father, continue to help us to forgive others who have sinned against us. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask our deacons to stand.
Jesus told his disciples as they were gathered in the upper room, it was the body of Christ broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we prepare to take of the, the juice this morning, a passage out of Luke kept coming back to my mind, Luke 23, 34, where Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. I thought of this in light of the text that we've looked at today in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Father, forgive the rude person and the demanding person and the angry person and the person that's walking around with bitterness for they do not know what they are doing. And in light of the blood that this cup represents, Paul said in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.
What a Christ shed for you. 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 Jesus told the disciples as he was there in the upper room, it's the blood of the new covenant. Each time you do this, to do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. I'm grateful that in 1 John 1, 9, John um, told us that um, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're gonna close with a hymn. Um, Lord, I want to be a Christian. This is a spiritual hymn and um, one that is very appropriate as we begin to close our service today. I'd like to invite you to stand. Hymn number 489. If you're here today and you would like to talk with me about uh, maybe something that the Lord spoke to you about in in the sermon, or if you'd like to talk with me about what it would mean to join Boiling Springs Baptist Church, we'd be happy to receive you. Let's stand and sing together. of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God's love compel you to be patient in all things, for that is the way of Christ. May God's love compel you to be kind to all people, for that is the way of Christ. May God's love compel you to not be envious or boastful or arrogant or rude towards others, but to love as God loves you, for that is the way of Christ. May God love compel you to insist, not to insist on your own way, but to be guided by the Holy Spirit, for that is the way of Christ. 
May God's love compel you to not be irritable or resentful towards others, but to be salt and light to the world, for that is the way of God. May God compel you to rejoice in truth, even if that truth brings sorrow, for that is the way of Christ. May God's love compel you to bear all things in the building of the kingdom, as the Son has done for us, for that is the way of Christ. May God's love compel you to endure all things in order to be mature and complete, for that is the way of Christ. May faith, hope, and love abide in the household of God, but above all, love. For Christ proclaims, God is love, and Christ commands us, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Amen.